Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I invite you to stand if you are able and join us in singing Hosanna, Praise is Rising. children who are willing and interested in coming and waving palm branches to go to the back and Bethany will get you set up and started there. The rest of you may be seated. On the screen behind me you'll find the call to worship and I invite you to join me in that now. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice in all our Lord has done. For it is marvelous in our eyes. Hosanna. We bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord.
can come and lay the palm branches down on the floor at the front of the church. So much for celebrating with us. now. Lord, we are isolated and alone. Our failures are visible for all to see. Our days pour out like sand. Our years fade and are gone. We are afraid to hope. We confess to the Lord. Lord, we trust in you. Redeem us now, we pray. To you, Lord, we commit all our hope and all our worship. Amen.
invite you to bow with me in prayer. You are an abundant God, and out of your great love and mercy, you have given us so much. We offer you gifts of money and our whole selves in worship and adoration. May this offering extend to the work of your kingdom in your church, your community, and the world you have made. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter, daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Are there any children who would like to come to the front? Oh, there's lots of kids today. That's great. Do you all want to come over here so that I can see you all together at the same time? Thanks. Now, I didn't get a chance to see, but were you all part of the parade this morning? No? You were Tyler, right? Austin, were you, were you in the parade? The palm-waving parade? Yes? Good, and I saw you, you were in the parade? Here, Tyler, here, you wanna, um, you wanna come sit right in here? There's a good seat. Was it fun to be in the parade? Yeah. Today is Palm Sunday, and it's kind of like we're celebrating a parade that happened in the Bible. And Jesus got, do you want to say what happened, Austin? Or did you have, a, did you have something you wanted to say? He walked around. Can you say that again? He walked around. Yes. Do you know what he walked around on? He, he, Jesus was riding on a donkey. Have you ever ridden on a donkey? You have? Wow. Or have any of you ridden on a horse? Yeah. It's kind of fun, isn't it? Well, Jesus and his disciples were in a little bit of a parade. So Jesus got on the donkey, and his disciples put their jackets on, on, his, on the donkey, and Jesus sat on the donkey. And then people put their cloaks and their palm branches on the ground, and Jesus, on the donkey, walked around there as a parade in, in Jerusalem. Now, lots of people knew Jesus, but there were lots of people who were new in town for a very special festival, and they were wondering, who is this guy who's coming in? Why is there such a big parade? 
And so his disciples had a chance to say, this is Jesus, Hosanna to the son of David. Um, <clears throat> this is a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And the people were really excited and curious. Some people were excited about Jesus. Some people were just really curious. And it, it was kind of an exciting day. And we've learned lots about Jesus. And this week coming up, we're going to learn a lot more about Jesus. Now, you're going to have to help me with this prayer that we have been doing. Can you help me out? We're going to see if we can do this together. Please bow with me now as we dismiss the little ones to Children's Church. Dear God, we put the children of our congregation before you. We pray a blessing on them. We pray that they will learn new things about you that will stick with them all their lives. We pray for the teacher also give them the words to say. Lord, we pray a blessing on our children as they grow up as well. We thank you for them and we look forward to seeing how you will change the world through them. We pray also a blessing on our service today. In your name we pray, amen. All right. If you have your bulletins on, you now is the time to bring them out. There's a couple things that we need to point out there and a couple more things to add as well. And they're great. So first off, there's just something about the smell of soup, isn't there? Like, don't get me wrong. Of all food at the potluck, it always smells great. But the soup, it's just odd. Ah, memories. And so, soup and bun uh, lunch is happening immediately after. Everyone is invited to stay. Uh, I can tell you, I don't know what everybody has brought, but I can tell you for a fact what Shannon brought is just top-notch. So, look forward to that. But I'm expecting it's going to be a wonderful meal, so feel free to stay for that. We're also going to have communion at the end of the serve, sorry, at the end of uh, the, the soup and bun lunch. So, forward to that. Then tonight, we have a busy day, uh, 7 p.m., choral music in the church. Uh, David Cruz is on deck for that, uh, and Bruce Moore uh, is going to be singing with him. I am looking forward to it. Every last one of our music in the night, uh, sorry, music in the church series have been so wonderful so far, so come on out for that, 7 p.m., uh, that is 7 p.m. here at the church. I think that there's even snacks and everything after that, so look forward to that. I look forward to seeing you there. Uh, next, Wednesday, 2 p.m., prayer meeting at the church. Uh, Friday, 10.30 a.m., Good Friday service. And this year, we're doing it different. I pointed this out last time. Normally, we have the service here. But this year, we are having the service with the United Church and the Anglicans at the United Church. It is going to be a great time of all of the churches glowing close together. It feels like over the years we've kind of drifted apart, uh, and so this will be a time that we can get to know each other again while we celebrate is never the right word when we're talking about Good Friday, but you know what I mean. Come together to worship what our Lord has done for us. So that is 10.30 a.m. Friday at the United Church. I hope you can make it. Uh, then next Sunday is Easter Sunday, the Sunday school, and also the worship service. Praise be to God, for he has risen. I look forward to sharing that with you. All right, skipping down. April 23rd is another day that we're going to want to mark down on our calendars, because that is our next music in the church. But this one is different, because this one is going to be put on in Brandon. 
Wayne Unra and the East Side Choir are coming together again after, oh, four years apart in benefit of the Turtle Mountain Bible Cloud. It's going to be at McDermott Drive Alliance Church. Uh, if you need a ride, there's actually a sign-up on the back there. Anyway, I, I love hearing Wayne in the East Side Choir, so I hope that you can join us for that. There is a sign-up, again, on the back if you want to drive out. Uh, with a bunch of other people from the church. It is going to be a good time. Make sure to keep that on your calendar. 7 p.m. April 23rd in Brandon. It'll be well worth it. Going down. uh, On the fourth Tuesday, ladies of the church, I want you to keep that one free. Uh, In that evening, there is going to be an event for you. I am not saying anything more than just that. I'm supposed to be keeping it a secret as to what that is. Check your mailbox, there's more information there. So, fourth Tuesday, keep that evening free. Check your mailbox for more information, ladies. Then, finally, right there at the bottom, April 29th, there is going to be a baby shower at the church for Rihanna and Carlos Herrera. Uh, If the name doesn't sound familiar, Rihanna Hodges. Their baby is due. Uh, late June, and so we're going to have a baby shower for them, so make sure to mark that down as well. All right, any other announcements? So everybody heard that? It's going to be a sing-along, which makes it even better. So, again, make sure to put that on your calendars, April 23rd, 7 p.m., and there'll be cars leaving from the church. Uh, Sign up in the back there. Look forward to it. All right. Then if there is no other announcements, then let's go to time of prayer. And there's a couple things on here, as well as one I want to add on. The one I want to add on is that Bev Dale uh, went into the hospital this morning. She has a terrible pain in her leg, and so she's waiting to be seen. We want to pray for her. We want to pray that that clears up. We want to pray that it isn't anything that is untreatable, just that they will figure out what it is and they can address it so she can have this pain taken from her. So Bev Dale, she's in the emergency right now. Next, Betty Queering. There's been, unfortunately, a downturn in... She she has been having trouble with her left side. Uh, Also, just... It's looking worse than it was before, and to the point that they're probably going to be looking to put her uh, into a care home. And then in the area, that's whether or not there's anything open. So we want to pray for Betty. We want to pray for her family during this time. That is very difficult. And so we want to pray for healing. We want to pray just for Betty and her family. Margaret Schultz, we want to pray for her as well. She thankfully has been moved to a new room in a new hospital. She is now at St. Claude, if you are driving by there, uh, just in transitional uh, care there. She is also looking for a care home to be placed in the area. We want to pray that one of the openings that comes up for her is nearby so that it isn't a long drive uh, for her family to go see her. So we want to pray for Margaret Schultz. It is such a nice a much better room than the one she was in in Portage. And so that is a blessing in and of itself. She gets it to herself. It's about the size of half this stage as compared to the size of a quarter with five people in it. So that is a wonderful thing. But we want to keep praying for her also. And we want to pray for the area churches. We want to pray for them as we plan the summer fair service. But we also want to pray for them just as we all go now into Holy Week. And so we want to pray that all of us 
God moves through. For all of us, God speaks to our congregants, our congregations, and through us, the entire town around us like never before. That we want to pray for. And so, if you will join me now, a word of prayer. Your God, we come before you this morning, first off, in, in praise of what you have done for us. We've seen the kids waving the palm branches, and we remember the story all those years ago of when you rode into Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done, Lord. And as we go into this week and we get closer to the ultimate sacrifice that you made, God, we pray that it hits us. We pray that it is impressed upon us just how big and how changing of everything that was. Lord, we thank you. And we also pray for the area churches. We pray for each of us as we go, not just into Holy Week, but as we look to now plan the summer fair together. It is always a wonderful service after a wonderful fair. And so, God, we pray that it will be a great time. Lord, we pray that it will be well attended. Lord, we pray that... Coming together, we will see our brothers and sisters in Christ and realize that it is all of us following you together. Lord, that is my prayer. Bless the planning there. And God, now I want to bring before you health concerns. God, first off, I want to pray for Bev. Lord, I know that this pain in her leg has been with her for a little while, but it's been manageable up until now. And so now that she is in the hospital, God, we pray for healing. Lord, we pray that very quickly they can identify exactly what it is that is causing this pain, that it is nothing concerning. Lord, we pray that it can be relieved permanently. Lord, we pray that you take it from her. We pray healing for Bev. Lord, that we put before you, and it is of great concern to us. So, Lord, we pray for Bev. And, God, we also want to pray for Betty in the same way. It feels like it was only yesterday that she had moved, and now the stroke. And so, God, we pray that as she is in the hospital, more healing comes. Pray that... The damage that has been done is minimal and just what needs to happen so that she can be as functional as possible. God, we, we put that before you. We thank you so much that her memory is still intact. We thank you so much that she can still recognize her family and respond and crack jokes as Betty, as only Betty can. But God, we pray for healing, and Lord, we pray that if they're looking for a care home now, that a spot will come up very nearby so that her family has no problems going to see her. Lord, we pray that a, a spot will be opened as quickly as possible. Lord, we pray that she knows that this entire church is praying for her now as well as many others across, across the prairies. We pray for Betty. 
And Lord, we also want to pray for Margaret Schultz. We want to pray thank you that she could be moved into that transitional room in St. Claude. It is a bit farther away, but it is so much nicer. Lord, we pray that in her time there, if it be a long time, that she makes good friends with the other people that are in transitional, that she makes good friends with the people that work there, the nurses, the staff, her doctor, Lord, and we pray that you lift her spirits every day. And God, we pray that when a spot does open up, that it'll be nearby. We pray that when a spot does open up, it'll be just right next door. God, with that we put before you. We thank you for Margaret. We thank you for her conversation and her outlook. We thank you for who she is. And now, God, we just pray for her. But all of these things we put before you this morning, we place them at your feet. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. You have your Bibles on you. We are now into technically the last Sunday of Lent. It's not, I think it's actually the first Sunday of Holy Week, but an end of a series. That is what it is. And our passage today is one that in many ways is very similar to last week's in that it is a story both about something that did happen, something wonderful that did happen, but also about something that will happen one day as well. And so, with your Bibles on you, Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. The story of Palm Sunday. And our passage, well, we find our passage not too far away from Jerusalem in the first place. The last story that we talked about, Lazarus, uh, is one of the last things that happens before Jesus approaches Jerusalem. I don't think in Matthew, but in John. And that is only about two miles away. So we're talking like you can almost see the distance between where Jesus is and the city gates. And that Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem one day, that is something that has been long shadowed, long foretold. That is something that history points to. That's something that Jesus' life points to. That's something that his ministry has pointed to. Jesus even cracks really dark humor jokes about it. There's a story where he comes face to face with a Pharisee, I think in the book of John, and they're like, don't go to Jerusalem because that will be the end of you. And he's like, ah, Jerusalem's just where prophets go to die. That's no big deal. Great story, but one for a different day. But Matthew in particular, he is very concerned with us knowing that where Jesus is going to find himself at the end of the gospel is in Jerusalem. He does it straight from the first page. The first page of Matthew, that big long list of names, that genealogy, it's making a very clear point. This is Jesus Christ. He is of the line of David. This is Jesus Christ, of the line of Jesse. This is Jesus Christ, the son of Joseph. This is Jesus Christ, of the line of kings. 
And where is this king's throne? This king's throne is in Jerusalem. And so that Jesus Christ was going to find himself here. That is something that has been talked about throughout the entire gospel. And so, our passage begins with Jesus, the coming king, returned, giving his first royal command. And it's a bit of a doozy. He's like, you disciples, go to that village over there and hijack that donkey. Or grand theft donkey. No, he tells them to do it. He's a king. It's commandeer that donkey. That, that is what he tells them. So off they go. And then they, they find the animal, the donkey, the foal. And they take him. And, and Jesus is like, if somebody stops you, just, just tell them that the Lord needs it. And that apparently is just fine. We, we think of the term Lord particularly about being about God all the time. But that's a royal title, right? Like the Lord, like... Oh, my king. If they're wondering why you're taking the donkey, tell them the king who has come is who needs it now. And so they find the animal. They bring him back. And they put the Lord before it. And they place their cloaks on the back of the donkey, on the back of the donkey and the foal. It's a bit unclear, but they put their cloaks on the back of it. They're cloaks that have been with them all these years. They've traveled with the Lord. They've seen what he has done. And Jesus sits on it. And here we get this fulfillment of prophecy in verse 5 that lays out that this was a moment that was going to happen. This was a moment that has long been foretold. Tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. That's referring to something. That isn't just, uh, that's from Zechariah, but that isn't just Zechariah being like, this is a prophecy of what is to come. It's also a reference to something, because back in the days of David the king and his entire line, after a big victory would take place, this, this is the type of thing that would happen. The king would come up to Jerusalem and he would humble himself, ride on a donkey, and the people would come out and they would proclaim him their king all over again. And they would call out, well, we'll see what they'll call out in just a little bit. And so as Jesus is doing this now, this is history is leading up to this very moment right here. This is Jesus' life as the line of the kings that is leading up to this very moment here. As we'll see in a little bit, it's his ministry that is also leading up to this very moment here. And so the procession begins. And immediately in Matthew's telling, there are people there, and they're also spreading their coats on the road ahead of Jesus so that the coat, the colt, the, the donkey doesn't even find itself getting dirty. And they're cutting branches from the trees and they're, they're spreading them on the road. And another telling, they're fanning him. And another telling, they're blocking out just the sunlight of the hot day so that their Lord can ride in the shade. And that is when they begin to cry out. Praise God for the son of David. This is the king who has come. 
Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is Jesus Christ, the prophet, who was sent by God, as we have seen time and time again over the weeks past. Praise God in the highest heaven, for the king has returned. And it is growing to the point where it is deafening now. So deafening that we're not even told that the people of Jerusalem stir. We're told that the city itself of Jerusalem stirs as he enters. Who is this, they ask? Which the crowds reply, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the king returned. Word of the Lord. As I mentioned, this passage is kind of like last week's, right? Where it's not just a story of what did happen, but it's also a foretaste of what will happen one day as well. One day at the end of all things and the beginning of all things yet to come, when heaven comes down, a new heaven and a new earth resurrected from the old, there is a throne in the middle there and our Lord sits there and all the people proclaim this is our king. And they do not proclaim that this is our king because they are being extorted, because they are being forced, because of anything negative, but because they have witnessed who Jesus Christ is. So how could they say anything else? And we see that in this passage from all these years ago also. We see that as they approach the city All of the people that gather up along the sides of the street, they proclaim, this this is the king. Who are these people? We know they're not from the city in Matthew's telling because the entire city of Jerusalem is the ones that are wondering who Jesus is. So, So who is this group? We aren't really given much To go off of on that, this is the beginning of one of the most important festivals in the Jewish calendar, so there will be a lot of people from around around Israel that have come just for this, but why would people that don't know Jesus one way or the other, why would they call out these things? Why would they say, praise God, Hosanna for the, the son of David? Matthew builds a pretty solid case who these people are, though. Because all throughout Matthew, you start off right at the beginning where you were told that this is the king. This is the the son of Joseph, the son of David. This is the king who has come. And then as Jesus proceeds through his ministry, then what happens? He comes into contact with various groups of people and he acts in a way that is profoundly kingly. And after every last one, more people come, more join him. The crowd grows bigger and bigger and bigger. So who are these that are crying out that this is the king, that this is Jesus the king? Well, we've seen them ourselves over the weeks gone by. These are the followers of John that after Jesus stood up to temptation in the wilderness, followed him. 
These are the Samaritans. The people that all of Israel looked down on and condescended to and thought of as less than human, but Jesus saw as fellow followers under God. These are the the women of the time who Jesus didn't look down on like society did. Who he saw and he talked to. These are the disabled that instead of viewing them as broken in some way as everyone else around them did, Jesus not only gave true healing but also showed them that because of their experience as sick, the ill, the infirm, the disabled, they can understand the grace of God in a way that no one else can. So there is value there that doesn't exist anywhere else. And because we start off coming from Bethany, this is the group that saw Lazarus raised. Same group that saw our Lord cry and mourn for those who were mourning themselves, saw that love. That's who's with Jesus outside of Jerusalem. That's who's calling out that this is the king. It's the people that have seen Jesus. It's the people that have seen that he is the king. An interesting thing about this passage, it is 11 verses long. It is a very singularly important passage in the Bible because all of the Gospels are pointing towards this moment. And this passage is also alluding to what will come one day at the end of all things. It's a very important passage. It's 11 verses long. And an interesting thing about it is only, I think, five of those verses actually are the Palm Sunday procession, are the the triumphant procession. That's a little weird. Like, this entire thing is 11 verses long, but seven of those verses have nothing to do with the actually people crying out that this is the Lord. Seven of those verses are nothing more than Jesus telling the disciples to go steal a donkey and then put out their cloaks in front of them. It's and one of the most important passages in the gospel that sees the procession to Jerusalem, that sees the fulfillment of history, that sees the fulfillment of Jesus' life, that sees the fulfillment of his ministry up until this point, that sees the beginning of Holy Week, that getting ahead of myself there, but such an important passage, only five verses actually portray it. And the other seven are all about the people that did the legwork to make it come to pass. And that, I think, is, that's a valuable thing for us to keep in mind as we look at this passage, right? Like, because that's kind of where we are now. We look forward to the day when our Lord will come again in all glory. We look forward to the day when our Lord 
will sit on his throne and all people will cry out that this is our king because they have encountered them and because they know that that is true. We look forward to that day. But now's the time for the legwork, right? Now's the time for the preparing for it. Now's the time for the getting us to that point by following God's leading. We see in most of this passage today. Seven verses of it. And we know that because who is it that's doing the legwork? It's the disciples. It's the people that go on to found the church. It's the people that go on to be who the church is based upon. Sometimes it doesn't feel like we're getting any closer to that day. If what we're going off of is we're trying our best to prime the world around us for the day that all people can declare that this is who our Lord is in all honesty, if that's what we're getting to, sometimes it really doesn't feel like we're getting any closer to it. Even by living out our Christian walk, our walk in the church, sometimes it feels like we're getting even farther away from it. I remember one time, uh, this is going back to high school, so I had a friend who was a Wiccan. She had been a number of things all throughout her high school, but by the time this story takes place, she had become a Wiccan. And... She had gotten her first tarot deck and was just super excited to do a tarot reading with everybody. Me being the good little evangelical child made me super uncomfortable. But a friend of mine was very interested and so he wanted to get his first tarot reading done and so she, she, was, she was going to do that for him. And I remember making such a fuss to the point where I... I think I even told him, like, if you do this, like, that, I thought it was that level of seriousness, like, this is what the people that burn in hell do, right? I was a terrible teenager. What is it that I should have done in that situation? That I don't know. But what I do know is, is that following that, me and my friend were never as close as we used to be. Never came to youth again after that. Kind of always a bit arm's length and, you know, if that's what Christians are, then, you know, who needs that noise? I don't know what I should have done in that situation. I still wonder about it. But that's kind of what I mean, right? Sometimes, it's genuinely hard knowing what it is that we need to do to prepare the way for the Lord. Sometimes it's genuinely hard knowing what we need to do to make way so that when our Lord comes again to sit on his throne, that all people will proclaim that this is my king. There's struggle in it. But what we do know 
is that there is guidance that we get from the story of Jesus up until now. There is guidance that we are given because exactly what we said before, who is it that is proclaiming Jesus in this story? Who is it that are saying, this is my king? It's the people that saw Jesus Christ stand strong to temptation of anything that is physical, of power, of taking the easy way out, and decided to follow him. It's the Samaritans, those people that God reached out to, that Jesus reached out to, even though the entire world around them thought that they were nothing. It's the women that Jesus actually saw and talked to. Again, even though the world around them clearly a second-class citizen. It's the ill and the infirmed and the disabled who are God not only brought true healing to, but also showed that there is something special here for the glory of the kingdom that can only be found here and brought new value and full value to people that didn't think they had value at that time. It is the people that witnessed that our Lord Jesus brings life and also saw that the level of love and care that he has for his people is like nothing else because even though he knows that he could raise Lazarus from the dead because his friends were crying, he cried with them, wept with them. That is the guidance of what we are supposed to do to prepare the way. You're supposed to, like our Lord did, follow him and stand strong to the temptations of the body, stand strong to the temptation of power and the temptation to take the easy way out. We are to reach out to the people that our society sees as worth nothing and lift them up and show them that they are fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus. We are to show the people that are sick and infirmed and disabled not only the true healing that our Lord does, but also that there is such value there. And we are to bring the life that our Lord comes to give to that same level of care and love for our neighbors big Christian or not. As we wait for the end of all things and the beginning of what is to come, as we wait for our Lord to come sit on his throne again, 
What this passage tells us is that it's our time now. It's our time now to live for the people of the world like our Lord lived for them. To be his reflection and in being his reflection show the people of the world, our neighbors, those that come across on the street that Jesus is king. In the story of Palm Sunday, what we get is a culmination of history, of Jesus' life, and his ministry, all leading to this point and what is to come after it. Now as we wait for the Lord to come again in all glory, it's our time now. Our time as the church, as Christians, to live as our Lord lived. And if we can do that, as difficult as it may be, as filled with struggle as it may be, And the day will come with our Lord's help when all people will proclaim that the King has returned and they will worship him. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing with us the closing song, We Will Glorify. Once again, soup and bun, just a little bit more. Oh, it smells good. I'd invite you all to stay. And then also come back tonight uh, for the choral music night. It is going to be a great time. I look forward to seeing you. But our benediction comes from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go now and serve our wonderful God.